Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, hi everyone, and thank you for joining me on this really incredible edition of the Born to Talk radio show podcast. My guest today is Kayoko Mitsumatsu. She is the founder and director of the nonprofit Yoga Gives Back. Welcome to the show, Kayoko. Thank you so much, Marcia. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm I'm just absolutely delighted. I think what you are doing is absolutely remarkable. And anyone that is listening as we're speaking, you can simply go to her website, which is the W's, www.yogagives, which that's a plural, yogagivesback.org, because she has a beautiful website. So let's get to know you. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thank you, Marsha. <laughs> and uh, I'm American now, but I was born in Japan, Tokyo. I'm from Tokyo, Japan, and uh, I was raised there uh, until I was, you know, Japan, and then I was 27, I think. Uh-huh. I basically was, um, father was a banker, and he was a workaholic, <laughs> like a typical mm-hmm. worker. After the you know, post-war, I was born in 1960, so it was a post-war, like, Japan's miracle time, and uh, people working hard and trying to mm-hmm. build the first class. And my mom was housewife all her life, and uh, long story short, I went to like, some schools, but um, I went to public television, um, Japanese national public television, after I graduated from college. Actually, by then, I moved to I spent one year in Australia as a high school oh. student. And- uh-huh. Two years in Sao Paulo, Brazil, due to my father's business. Um, but I finished college in Tokyo, and I I, uh, I really wanted to uh, make a documentary film, so I applied for Japanese National Public Television. I got a job as a director, producer for current affairs programs, and um, and that was 1984. So I've done documentary filmmaking since then, mm. almost 30 years. Mm-hmm. Right, isn't that isn't that isn't it interesting how our life takes us on these roads? Sometimes we know where we're going, sometimes we don't, but it's still a process. And I mean, eventually you came here to the states. I I know that you're married to your wonderful husband Ken, who I think is having a birthday today. Am I right about that? Yeah, because today, yeah. Well, happy birthday to Ken, because Ken was also on a podcast that I had um, quite some time ago. So happy birthday to him! So you know, we're really going to be talking about yoga today, and as someone that also practices yoga and really appreciates the value of yoga, boy, oh boy, if if you sit on the sort of anxious side of life not to mention how beautiful the postures and the stretching and all of that can be for you. But when you learn how to breathe, where you are really calming yourself down and bringing those shoulders down where they belong, it has made an enormous impact on my life. So what I'm curious to know about you is when did you start practicing yoga? Yeah, so <laughs> I started about 16 years ago, 2000. I think. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, my girlfriend, I always loved exercise, so I was doing Taekwondo and also, and one day my girlfriend told me, let's go So that was the beginning. I had no idea, but I just went in as a purely physical, I thought it was a physical exercise. Uh, that's how I started. And uh, um, I tried, you know, there are a lot of different classes. Um, 
So I tried many different classes, and then I stepped into um, Ashtanga yoga class one day um, in Los Angeles, and I just got hooked. It's a very physical <laughs> practice, rigor, rigorous, uh, like daily practice, backed by uh, many teachers teach because you spend so much time doing it every day. Um, a lot of teachers teach um, philosophy a lot. So yes. I, very, I learned the philosophy, and that really caught me uh, and touched my core. Um, I, had a, I learned a lot of things, and I realized this, this practice is not just physical. It's much deeper than that. It, it really is. By any chance... I live by Loyola Marymount University here in the community of Westchester. Do you happen to know Larry Payne? Oh, yes. Larry okay. has been supporting. And it's, it's, you know, I think that you yogis all know each other because I know that yeah. Larry um, teaches um, yoga therapy, um, a therapist at LMU. My yoga teacher yes. um, got her certification from him. And um, mm-hmm. he's he's a very remarkable guy, and and you know it's it's interesting because we are going to spend time obviously talking about your nonprofit, but you mentioned something that I thought was pretty key right just a moment ago. There are many different types of yoga, aren't there? What are what are some of the types of yoga that are out there? Yeah, so if you you know in in mainstream you will find like Iyengar yoga. Uh, Ashtanga yoga, Hatha yoga, um, and of, of course, this is a new invention, but hot yoga. <laughs> right. Um, Yasa yoga. I think mm-hmm. maybe these are most mainstream. And of course, Iyengar yoga and Ashtanga yoga are particular yogas that were Krishnamacharya who taught Hatha yoga and uh, physical yoga and also all the others. To Mr. Ayenga and you know gurus who both practices to the West, and we have right. been learning their students and their students, especially this type of physical part of exercise. Well, practice. and I I have found just for myself and my own personal experience, um, while I know you've used um, the official words for these yoga styles, but um, in my vocabulary, my my yoga class is what I would call restorative, you know, and um, when you talked about philosophy, I think one of the things that is so meaningful for me personally with Deanna Courtney, who is my yoga instructor, is that it's not always just the instruction of getting into a pose because that's important. Mm-hmm. You're you're trying to stretch. You're trying to, you know, um, uh, move your your blood and circulation around your body. But I always hear her say, and it's so poignant for me when she adds, "Without judgment," because mm-hmm. sometimes maybe you can't get in the pose. Maybe that's, that mm-hmm. balance pose is a little too strenuous for you. She'll say, you know, mm-hmm. grab a chair, put your hand by a wall. You know, she gives these instructions. Mm-hmm. And because of COVID, and it's affected the world, mm-hmm. we're, we're all, we've all been affected by it in some ways. We actually do our yoga class online now. We're not meeting in person. And so the mm-hmm. classes that are being taught with Live Yoga Wellness can be taken by people that live anywhere, and that's been really, really important um, in moving forward. So when we look at your yoga practice, tell us about what you actually do. Yes, so initially, as I said, I was drawn to, I forgot to add also Kundalini Yoga, which I also practice. Um, I was drawn to the physical aspect, but, you know, I've been doing practicing like 16 years, and I'm getting older during that time, too. So, you know, there is physical limitations that, you know, I cannot do things that I could do 16 years ago. And I also studied Lermo philosophy, pranayama, which is a breathing practices. Yes. As well yeah, as well as the meditation. I've learned many different types of meditations, meditation methods. And so in the morning, first thing I do every day is 20 minutes between 10 and 20 minute meditation along with some chanting I love 
And uh, that's the way how I start. And if I skip that, you know, then I go to travel with my husband and I skip one, mm-hmm. you know, that, that morning meditation, I catch myself speaking like 100 times faster. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Because yeah, you're, so cause you're wound up. You, you're, you're just like on overdrive. And when you start yeah. your yoga practice in the morning with that deep mm-hmm. breathing and that, you know, I, I find myself telling people all the time, if you just breathe into your nose and fill your abdomen, put your hand on your stomach if you need a physical reminder, and then bring your mm-hmm. navel to your spine to exhale. It's, I can, mm-hmm. I'll say that to a total stranger sometimes because I just think it's so important, and for me it's so calming. So I, I really do understand what you say. So I just told you about some of my benefits. What are some of the benefits that you have experienced in your yoga practice? Yes. So definitely this uh, you know, meditation, um, daily meditation definitely clears my mind and also slows down my breathing. And also, one other interesting thing is like, so I used to do every day, but now I do every other day almost my Ashtanga practice, which is like a vinyasa, you know, like you continue to practice the same sequence, like hour, one hour or hour and a half. We do down dog so many times, initially, like in the first 10 minutes, holding five breaths. And usually during those many, many down dogs, I suddenly come up with some very clear idea of something I've been struggling or thinking, you know, running this organization, like maybe events or fundraising or whatever. Uh-huh. Some Always some clarity <laughs> during the down dogs always pops up. So that, that is one, one amazing surprise, surprise. This happened to me so many times. And um, also this physical practice uh, that we, I I'm very attached to <laughs> uh, is a, a practice. Is a, we do the same thing over, over and over. And uh, with breathing and movement and focus, we call it drishti, which is a focal point that you look at. Um, mm-hmm. If you keep doing that for or a little over an hour, you of course you sweat, but uh, your mind clears so much, and it is like a moving meditation. And uh, at first, it was about being able to do certain poses perfectly and beautifully, and so. But at some point, as I said, <laughs> when you get older, it doesn't. And you do also learn that yoga is not about physical like perfection and practice. You know, moving. You know, I mean, showing like making a poses perfectly. It's not about that. This is just a entry level, you know, into much bigger picture of. At the end, liberation, the attachment to your small self and, you know, realize you you have a bigger, bigger self. That's where you, your goal is. You're, you're really working. Also in the yoga, I learned that your body is your temple. That means you have to continue to look up to the temple so that you can serve for bigger purposes. Either for me, serving others, maybe serving family, caring your parents, aging parents, or caring homeless people, whatever. But you have a much bigger purpose than just looking after yourself. But it all starts self. So that's what I've learned. You know, it's it's really interesting what you what you just said, <clears throat> especially when you were talking about um, downward facing dog, because sometimes I find my mind skipping to where you know I'm in a pigeon pose or whatever pose I might be in and and I think wait bring this back you can you can you can go to that task that you just like you just said I got to got to I got to do this and I got to do that we we've learned to condition maybe that would be the term I would use we've learned to condition ourselves through our yoga practice to say I'll get to that Later, but right now my focus is on my breath work. My focus is on my posture. Um, you know, are my shoulders down? Have I squeezed my shoulders together? 
Do I am mm-hmm. I more comfortable with my knees bent rather than my legs out straight? Whatever that might be. And people that practice mm-hmm. yoga, they they understand that. I guess what my message is because we're going to talk about your nonprofit next is that I would just encourage everybody to consider it, whether you go to your local gym or your YMCA or wherever it is or or, or private classes. Um, It's something worth considering, and we're at the beginning of a brand-new year, and this might be the perfect time for those of you listening that haven't really thought about yoga as to do something like that. And speaking of that, we do need to talk about what it is that drives your passion and that is your nonprofit yoga gives back and once again everybody if you want to visit this website it's just that simple yoga gives org. so mm-hmm. what was your inspiration when you started this organization in 2007 yes so um I, uh, I think I told you, but I worked for Japanese National Public Television as a documentary filmmaker for so long. Mm-hmm. And around that time, in 2006, 2007, I started practicing yoga. But as a profession, uh, as a filmmaker, I was also doing a documentary about social entrepreneurship. And Dr. Mohammed Yunus from Bangladesh won Nobel Peace Prize in 2006 for his uh, revolutionary microfinancing Um I don't know, many of the audience probably know or heard about this, but microfinancing is like um, he he used to call it compassionate capitalism. So the poorest people in developing countries or even in the U.S. also, they will never get loans, um, you know, because they don't have collateral. So they are always put under, especially in developing countries, uh, at the bottom of the pyramid because they will never get out of poverty because the middle man or whoever gives some loan, you know, some money, take take all, all the profits. So Doctor Yunus gave like forty dollars out of his pocket, and Bangladesh was going through famine in the seventies, and uh, just gave it to the poorest people who were making bamboo stools, and just. Re- let them buy bamboo and make the entire profit to themselves. That was the beginning. And he revolutionized this platform, microfinancing platform, and helping millions of people to come out of uh, poverty. So I, when I learned about that during my documentary filming, I was struck by the power of just 15 or $20 has in the poorest people to come out of poverty with this microfinancing. So then come back to LA and I came to do yoga and I was I realized I was spending at that time fifteen dollars a class. Today it can be like thirty five. Right. And I was spending five dollars for very nice pants. Today it would be like two hundred dollars. So anyway, then I was spending that much money, fifteen dollars a class. Um then I was benefiting so much as I said every time of a class getting this bliss mentally. I was feeling, I was 47, <laughs> and then it hit me very hard that what do I do with myself when I'm so healthy and happy? What's my next goal? Right? And then right. I realized because so making yoga coming from India, but India, the mother India, has over 75 percent. That time I found a number over 75% of $1.4 billion population still live under $2 a day, which is a oh. poverty line. But they don't have even chance to practice yoga to feel good. You know, a lot of people are just struggling with meals. Not to mention like child labor, marriage, trafficking, and all these things happening there. So, and then there were a lot of... Um, great classes in the yoga community. Yoga community is such a compassionate community in general. So there are a lot of um, amazing classes like HIV, AIDS, you know, support classes, animal rights, breast cancer. But there was nothing that focused on giving back to India and especially uh, empower, help empower these underserved population, especially women and children. As Mm -hmm. a way to thanks to the gifts we've received from that country and the region. So 
I just thought that's a good idea, and I started telling um, my teacher and studio manager, and every single person I talked to said that's a great idea because everybody, especially people who have been to India, have seen the real poverty there. So they wanted to do something, but they didn't know how. So um, we created this mantra that is now running for 16 years mm-hmm. now, but it says, for the cost of one class, one yoga class, you can change your life. So that means if you donate $50 one yoga class B, you can truly change the life of poorest person in India. And, uh, it's remarkable. Yeah, that's how we started as a way to use microfinancing as a tool to empower poor women. And we started with 50. 50. Mm-hmm. I think it's very, I, I appreciate your um, definition of microfinancing because, frankly, I had never heard of that. So that's really okay. that's really interesting when you said that, you know, if you don't have any money, how are you supposed to have any collateral and get a loan? I mean, I never really thought about that before. So that's that's fascinating. And I believe you do have a mission and a and a vision. Maybe you could just tell us what that mission and vision is. Yes. So our mission is to actually engage and mobilize the global yoga community with their gratitude and use that gratitude into empower underserved women and children in India to build sustainable lives. Yeah. At you know, it that's pretty succinct. And um and I I I know you're I mean I I kinda get goosebumps when you talk about this because I know you have been able to see the results of this by all of these years you've been you've been doing this. In fact you've had some pretty remarkable people that um have kind of joined you on this path. We use the word namaste all the time. You know, for those of us who practice yoga, we know what namaste means. For those people that maybe have heard that term before, would you like to um, define what the word namaste means? Yes. Yeah, I'm not a scholar, but what I, uh, I learned is namaste means the divinity in you salutes divinity. The divinity in me salutes divinity in you. So, so we have to confirm that we have divinity inside of ourselves, which I never mm-hmm. knew before. <laughs> That's but true. You respect other person's divinity just as important as ours and respect that in other exactly. persons as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, um, my my instructor always says that the shining light in me recognizes the shining light in you. Namaste. Yes. That's how she ends our mm-hmm. class. But you've you've had some pretty remarkable recipients that you have honored. And I thought you could tell us a little bit about last year's winner, which was Christy Turlington Burns. Tell me about what she's done and why was she recognized? What did she do? <laughs> okay. So um, Namaste Award is something we created about 10 years ago for our annual gala Um we wanted to make sure that we expand yoga, understanding, appreciation of yoga, not just but much bigger humanitarian way, um, because mm-hmm. there are so many people who may not practice yoga, but doing work for for the world. So we created this Namaste Award, and we select people every year and present our award to uh, this person. So last year we had honor to. Um, to present this to Christy Turlington Burns. Um, many of you probably know she was a supermodel in the 90s and she was on the cover of Vogue and Time magazine doing beautiful yoga poses and mm-hmm. she published the book Yoga. So if you read her book, Living Yoga, which was published in 2003, you know how dedicated she a practitioner is um, in terms of yoga. Asana and philosophy and everything. She studied so much. She went to times. It's remarkable. But um, she actually also studied through her um, own childbirth difficulty that she went through. Actually, there is a documentary she produced um, about this uh, experience. But uh, she, because of her um, here scary experience of her, her first child 
childbirth. Uh, she created an organization called Every Mother Counts, and she's now fundraising with her power. And uh, I think she raised like $25 million in the last 13 years and wow. helping women, mothers, in, especially in develop, uh, developing countries, but other countries as well, to make sure that they have support to have a healthy childbirth experience. So she, her work is remarkable. And she, I had an interview with her, and she was telling me that from the beginning, like, as soon as she learned the philosophy of yoga, um, the unity, you know, connection with others and unity meant a lot to her and, and to serve. You know, in, in Sanskrit, uh, seva is the word, but she said that really resonated to her deeply. Um, and uh, so she took her mission into this Every Mother Counts, a nonprofit organization, and she's, like, really dedicated to do this work. Wow. So that's how, I don't. I, yeah. I bet most people don't probably know that about her. So um, um, Every Every Mother Counts is her .org. I didn't know that she had written a book. You know, I mean, I was certainly familiar with her as, as a supermodel, as you said, but... Um, She's not just beautiful on the outside. Clearly, she's very beautiful on the inside as well. This is I can see why um, you acknowledged her. She sounds very deserving. And I know that that is also um, um, featured on, that, on your beautiful website where people can go back and actually look at this. So that's, that's really lovely. Talk about the impact that Yoga Gives Back has meant to India. Um, you've been doing this a long time. You've celebrated 15 years, which congratulations. This doesn't come, this is, this is not easy what you do, but clearly you are devoted and, and you um, are committed to this cause. So what, what could you say are some, some of the impacts that Yoga Gives Back has meant to, to yeah. India? Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, 15 years that flew by, flown by, but you know, it's still a grassroots organization, and uh, we, yeah, I'm committed 100%. And uh, so we now reach to 2,400 women and children in India with microfinancing, and also we also created an educational program, particularly five-year scholarship for higher education. And uh, as of today, I'm creating a report, report because this program has been running now 10 years. We didn't start with this program from the beginning. So um, into six, five years, we created this scholarship for higher education because I realized after meeting so many mothers who got microloans, um, every single mom told me that they don't want their children to live like them, which is a very sad comment. Mm-hmm. But that's why they are very. But that's why they are very driven to make their life better, so that they can provide for their children's education, so that they can get out of poverty and build more independent life with a sense of self worth, which they did. These mothers, unfortunately, weren't want to or didn't have an opportunity. So we created this five-year scholarship for higher education, and I've. I'm now very excited to share this with you because we now have over 200 students graduating, graduated already with bachelor's degree or some kind of vocational uh, skills. And I just, I'm getting reports in India and I'm just blown away. Like even a girl who grew up in orphanage that we support and we supported with a scholarship, she's now a, like associate director of some TV program in Bangalore or a girl from very poor background who could have been um, sent to child marriage is now a commander at the India's army. Or the boy I made a documentary about, but um, he was working as a construction worker as a child labor for until she was 17. He never could go to school because her mother was too poor and he sent to labor. And one day, long story short, but he went to came to um, our NGO partner, and the director said, "Yeah, we'll take you, and you can get scholarship." So we supported for him to finish uh, vocational training, and now he's 
running his own construction company with his friends. So wow. stories are like this. Like every single story is so moving. So I can't wait to mm. share mm. all the stories. This, this really yeah, confirmed me that we are not just giving money. We are giving tools and opportunities, just like we, we've received yoga as a tool to improve our lives. We are giving these tools that poor children, women don't have in India, and we don't just get, drop it and leave. We continue to, you know, keep contact, and I continue to make documentaries. So anybody who is interested, you can go to our website, and I have YGB films and have little, you know, short documentaries everywhere, uh, many of them. So you can see how your um, $10 a month or whatever can truly transform lives. I'm curious, uh, um, I, I, this just phenomenal. When it comes back to these microfinancing, because like I said, I hadn't been familiar with that, I don't know the answer to this, so I'm wondering this, and if I'm wondering this, maybe a listener might be wondering this. Do they have to pay that back? Yes, so that's interesting. That's a very important question because, so Dr. Muhammad, yes, from the beginning, he set up this way. So, you know, poor people on their own cannot do much, so always this, um, people make a group of like 10 people, and if so that if one person defaults payment, other people can back up, and as a group, they will succeed. So they pay; they do, they do have to pay back as a group. Um, usually, astonishingly, the women in general, like I think the Grameen Foundation, Dr. Mohammed Yunus's foundation too, like repayment rate among these women borrowers are like 98%. And uh, ours, our program also is almost that but you know because of covid last three years it's really dropped down but um they're back again working hard but if before then it was like women were paying back they unless they pay back they can't get the next loan otherwise if you pay back you can get the next loan so it's their incentive so there is incentive for them to pay back and also the group also support um, mm-hmm. each other but also I want to mention the most important also discovery I learned is of women usually 10 women you know does the business together either making a straw mat which is a very successful business now but or like maybe making candles or sari ornaments or anything like that um, you know because they get together to do this work together and be responsible to each other, they become like real, like peer, like self, what they call like self-support, peer group. Mm-hmm. So they be at home doing like house chores. They were not respected. There be, be a lot of domestic violence cases, unfortunately. And they had nobody to talk to. But now this group has become their support system. So they talk about these domestic issues. And in in this group, I've seen women became so strong. And so if one woman keeps getting beaten up by her husband, you know, there are a lot of sad stories. But this group stand up now, and they take this case either to the police or local government or go to mm. the house and talk to the to stop it. And they threaten them. If he doesn't stop this abuse, they're going to come back to you or they're going to bring police or things like that. And so this has been a real empower, empowerment, not just uh, monetarily, but mentally, really empowering women. I can, I can hear that, and I, I appreciate that explanation because what you're saying is that whether they're, whether they're a group of ten women, like you said, making saris, um, making candles, doing something – they are able to do this. They are able to buy the materials to make the saris, mm-hmm. to make the candles, because they've got this financing. And then by making yeah. income from it, they're able not only to pay back their loan so they can continue to be supported, but they're beginning to support their families as well. And they're not just supporting each other fiscally, but they're supporting each other mentally as well. And I... I think that that's, that that wouldn't have happened without you, and I'm sure when you close your eyes at night, you can think about 
some of the stories you will never hear, that you'll never know about, that has made life-changing effects. Just like when you talked about these kids that are getting um, scholarships. I mean, uh, it's just, or graduating from high school. Maybe they wouldn't have even gone to high school. So I, I, I love this, and it just, it's, it's inspiring what you do. It really is. And people might be here listening, well, what could I do? Well, there's always something you can do. I mean, certainly monetarily you can do something. But I think when your eyes are wide open, certainly we have a homeless population in this country, in our communities. You know, things are happening. And um, maybe somebody that's listening might think, you know, I feel motivated. I live a blessed life. I have a life of gratitude. What could I do? What could I do? Mm-hmm. What, what are my skills that might help mm-hmm. somebody? You know, where could mm-hmm. I volunteer? What could I do? And that's what I, that's what I get from you and your motivation. Mm-hmm. It's, so, it's so genuine and, poor, and, and pure is the word I meant to say. Um, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Um, I know you're from Japan, but what initially took you to India? Why, why did you go to India? Yes, so um, obviously it was 2007, around the time I started this idea of Yoga Gives Back. <laughs> we had a friend, um, Brazilian actually friend, who lived in Los Angeles, um, who became ambassador in India. <laughs> and oh. he invited us one day, like, why don't you come over? And we were like, what? And uh-huh. and then it was that year I was just really beginning to make this Yoga Gives Back a reality, so I really meet some women who received microfinancing already from Oxford Unisys organization. I reached out to them, and because I'm going to India, I love to visit them, and they introduced me, and that was the beginning of my journey really in India because I filmed also. I started filming the trip. I met uh, four different women, four five different women, and visited their homes, their families. One of them uh, is Jayashree, uh, who just got microfinancing. She was very poor. She only went to elementary school. She had two boys. She wanted all her boys become, you know, well-educated. She wanted especially eldest son to become a doctor to serve the poor. And long story short, I followed this family for the last 15 years, and he really, he couldn't speak a word of English in 2007. He was only 15. But he was saying, I want to become a doctor because that's what my mother, that's my mother's dream. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we decided to finance, finance his education until he finished master's degree. And he, uh, he became an emergency doctor in a very prestigious hospital. But then I learned just tomorrow, so I, I contacted him again. <laughs> and last week, because of pandemic, I couldn't go there. So he last week he said, Kayoko, he always called mom. Kayoko, uh, mom, I actually got married, and I'm actually <gasps> studying in Kata now to specialize head and neck oncology. And then, <laughs> this is, nobody can write this script better than this, you know. But... Uh, she is now married to a woman doctor whom he met in Bangalore. She was a resident. And she comes from this ethnic minority called Sikkim. It's northeast India, very poor uh, region. Um, it's beautiful. I just checked, and it's near Himalayas, near Bhutan. Um, really tiny little place. And there is no no hospital, no medical centers. And hmm. his wife had covid department and uh, his goal is to become a specialist in oncology and go there and help these poorest people in northeast india so isn't that something it it is like one after another i this is why like it's almost addictive to me to continue to follow this everyone because you can never draw like blueprint and principle there right we just give tools Either it's money or educational opportunities. Now we have other initiatives I can talk about. But once you get the tools, opportunities, human beings are so amazing. They mm-hmm. take off. Yes. I get so inspired. Hmm? I bet. 
I bet you get excited, you know, and because of the technology we all have today, you know, 30 years ago, you know, you wouldn't have been able to have an email from somebody from India. I mean, maybe you would have. I don't know. I can't remember when we did, when all of this started. But today now with the click of a button on a phone, um, we can see people and communicate with people. Uh, I'm, I'm curious about the women. Would you say for the most part these women are without husbands? Are they single women with children? Uh, the women we support, no, most of them are married. It's just, oh, they are married. Okay. Yeah. I was just most cu- of them I was are curious. Married. Okay. That's they good have, to know. Yeah. But uh, it's just uh, the the traditional customs to very much against women's um, independence and women's mm-hmm. dignity. And it's, yeah. I just posted for you today on my Instagram or Facebook, anybody check on the yoga gets back story but um west bengal where we serve with microfinancing program and this education program they are the worst in the human trafficking cases so by providing these opportunities we are saving them from being traffic traffic yes there are lots of of um, like fake marriage and we work with ngo partner non-governmental like non-profit organizations locally and they are our really like um lead you know they guide us with the reality and the fact of what we can do to solve problems so mm-hmm. i'm grateful for this partner with but yeah they, they are situation incredibly sad it's it's interesting um the crossovers um i'm a i'm in the, i'm in rotary and our global oh. initiative is human trafficking. And this coming yeah. Wednesday, we're having a woman from Woodland Hills um, that's in a mm-hmm. Rotary Club there. She and her husband are coming, and, they're, and that's their, that is their focus, is human trafficking, yeah. to present that. Uh, so it's, it's interesting. I guess, when, you know, when people give, it shouldn't surprise me that there are crossovers. Do you go to have yes. you? When was the how, when was the last time you were actually in India? How long ago were you there? It was just before COVID started, so it was December 2019. Got and it. I used to go every time. We couldn't go, so I'm very excited to go back there. I'm leaving tomorrow to <gasps> visit all our pro. Yeah. Oh my gosh! No kidding. Wow, well, safe travels. Wow, how fortunate I was able to get you on this podcast today. You mentioned something that I think is really important, and and it is on your website, but I'd like you to talk about it because you do have some really remarkable initiatives. Could you spend some time talking about some of those initiatives that you are involved in? Yes. So um, we have new, new two initiatives. One is the PAD project. The other one is Women's Rights Digital Center. Um, so maybe I, I'll quickly mention about Digital Center. You know, during COVID, I have learned um, how girls in the rural villages, uh, poor girls, uh, they don't have any access to even mobile phones. Usually if there is one mobile phone at home, father uses it, and next mm. is the son. Girls don't get to use it at all. So I saw pictures of that our partner has been sending us, like one one cell phone, mobile phone was shared by four or five girls to catch up their high school or college level studies, which was very difficult. And the exams online, you know, they couldn't do it. They had to go to the city and everything was so difficult. So, And also women of microloans, um, they lost their income for the last two years because market sure. was closed. They had gone through horrendous. A COVID crisis, as you recall. So mm-hmm. market closed time, and unfortunately, many of them lost income, but they, their crafts are beautiful, and they make all sorts of things that they can sell online if they have these skills and um, tools. So I'm raising money to create robust digital center where they can have, like, solid Internet. That's another thing, electricity in Internet. Uh, constantly interrupted by a cyclone and all this, you know, right. climate change. So 
we would like to really create a solid place where women girls especially can advance themselves to get better sure. jobs too. But and also that impacts uh their families, men, you know, villagers, everyone. Mm-hmm. And so that's one one exciting project is uh the PAD project. Uh some of you probably have heard of the PAD project, which won uh Oscar's documentary award in two thousand eighteen and we uh, awarded Namaste Award, <laughs> we talked about it to the PAD project team here in Los Angeles. But uh, their goal is to provide um, menstrual equity. There's so much an inequality, inequity, inequity in the mm-hmm. menstru- menstruation. The access quality pads at the reasonable price is like real problem in many countries, right? Even in the U.S., pads are very expensive, and it has uh, it never, uh, you know, when I first went to India, I realized girls and women are using uh, used rags because mm. that's the only thing they have. Menstruation. That causes girls to stop going to school because they're embarrassed about it, right? So that really drops out, you know, drops, drop out of girls from school really increases because of the uh, menstruation. So our PAD project, we are partnering with this uh, Oscar winning <laughs> PAD project team in Los Angeles. We got the grant, so we've trained last year. We got two machines, and uh, these microloan women, losing their hope a little bit during COVID, we were able to train them as pet producers. So 20 women were selected, and they learned how to make pads. And these girls we support also, they designed the the packages. So they now have their own brand, um, had and our goal this year is to make this into like social and social um, business project or microfinancing project so they can continue to make money by making pads but as well as educating the girls and women about the gynecological importance of why this hygienic um, you know pads are important foods during menstruation things like that and also um, really create accessible, biodegradable, high-quality pets for this local population as well. So that's an exciting project. That's that's, that's just phenomenal. I mean, you know, the things that so many of us take for granted, that it's like, oh, my gosh. And, you know, there's there's a picture of a couple of women, three women actually, on your – website where they're where they're making this and you know it's it's who i would have this would have never occurred to me and it's just another Mm -hmm. example of how you're able to do these micro loans to to fund these projects and Mm -hmm. i don't know you must just you must just close your eyes at night and feel so grateful for the ability to make these impacts the impacts that you're doing are just they're just sensational and um you have a lot of goals you have a lot of women that are are making a difference that are educating these young girls this can be a very awkward this can be a very awkward conversation in any household you know your daughter comes out and she says i'm i'm bleeding and it's like i don't know where it's coming from you know having these conversations they're they're important. It's not like they're not going to be, be having um, their periods when they're um, living wherever they're living. So the fact that you're able to pre- to give them that hygiene, and and then maybe they can they won't drop out of school because like well I can't go to school those that that week, and I'm feeling miserable. Yeah. I have cramps and I don't know what to do and nobody can help me. I mean this is this is just amazing to me. Um, when we talk about um, your documentaries, because frankly, it's kind of a full circle here. When you think about when you were in Japan, that's kind of how you started. Now, are you still doing the doc- documentary films now through um, Yoga Gives Back? Yes, yeah. So, like you said, it's a full circle thing. I I never thought I was going to continue to film, but uh, as I packed. One of the most thing, important things is uh, to film in India about these uh, people we support, 
so that uh, I can make a mini documentaries and keep posting on YouTube and our website and our social media so that people can see the impact, you know, and also um, power very important. I just, I realized only that not, not many nonprofits do that. Uh, but mm-hmm. for me, luckily with my uh, professional background, and also luckily my best friend, Beth Gallagher, who is the Emmy Award winning uh, editor, documentary editor, who told me, take your camera with you. On That's what she told me in 2007 when I was going to India for the first time. And I'm like, oh my God, I have to drag this camera. And I I was a producer and director, but I never really filmed by, by myself. I always uh-huh. you know, had a great Grew with me, but now I don't have a budget, so I have to do everything by myself. <laughs> it was a mess, but I have learned since then how to do it better. <laughs> That's funny. Well, do you now that the now that COVID is sort of winding down? It's not. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe depends upon what part of the world you're talking about. You're going back to India tomorrow. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yep. And how long will you be there? So, um, you know, we work with very different areas, so it's going to take about a little over two weeks, maybe about 20 days. Because, uh, you, mm-hmm. you know, once you go there, everyone. <laughs> right. So, like, you know, like, uh, and also everybody wants to meet us too, and it's very exciting. Sure. So, yeah. Well, that's, that's what what part of India do you go to? Yeah. Yes. So uh, I fly into Bangalore uh, from Los Angeles, uh, and then uh, then we take car about five hour drive outside my store area where we support uh, 30 orphans and uh, almost 100 scholarship students in the area. And also now we added another project which supports about 100 primary school children who fell oh. behind. Yeah, who really fell behind during COVID because the schools were closed. Parents were, you know, not wealthy enough to do their online classes. So these kids were just playing around and they lost basic, you know, algebra and writing skills. So, and these, they all go to government schools. So we we are funding these uh, children and also teach resources. So we visit these people and then we go back to Bangalore and then we fly to Calcutta, which uh, mm. is the west side of India. And then we visit these uh, rural areas uh, south of Calcutta, uh, 500 women with microloans, micro uh, 600 young girls, and also 300 scholarship girls um, with almost another 100 uh, graduates. So, and then we are also visiting our other non-profit organizations who are doing a great work in Calcutta. Uh, her future coalition uh, is much bigger than us, but they are always they are working in a human trafficking area, and mm-hmm. other organizations for uh, digital centers. So I'm really trying to learn more from other organizations as well. Yeah. Sure. Wow. Wow. Um, so, do you have like? A plan like, you know, obviously you cannot accomplish everything you're accomplishing without your volunteer force, without the people that are sponsoring you, the people that are working with you. I mean, I'm, I, I had no idea you were leaving the country tomorrow. I'm, I'm so grateful that you were willing on a day when you probably should be busy packing. You know, you're spending this hour with me. But when you sort of, of put your hand, well, that's really kind. But when you put your hand out, like I'm putting my hand out in front of me, my arm out with palm facing up. Do you have something that's wanting to get into that hand that you want to accomplish that's in the horizon for yourself? <laughs> yes. So um, our biggest goal has been to reach out to um, one million yogis in the world. So like you mentioned just now, we are supported by hundreds of volunteers over the last 15 years from around the world who support, you know, raising funds by creating fundraising classes. And uh, somebody is doing in South Africa next month. Somebody is doing some amazing stuff in United 
Arab Emirates. This goes on. We are reached, we've reached to like over 31 countries now. And wow. we are also supported by 50 like really top class teachers, um, not just asana, but spiritual leaders and also Kirtan music community. So many people supporting us. Um, and we would really like to reach to one million people who benefit from this ancient practice of yoga because there's supposed to be 300 mm-hmm. million who is benefiting practice this So if mm. only a frac- one million join, join, for example, give us $10 a month, that's a huge amount that we don't have yet. So right. And the effect um, is huge. You know, the need is endless in India, 1.4 billion people. So Isn't that something? Engage more and more people to join us. It is happening, but uh, we have to continue to engage people. Yes, you do. And, you know, getting getting on podcasts, I, I'm assuming based on your husband and, and your efforts as well, have you been featured on any you know, news stations um, talking about what you do? You mean like television? Like television, Uh uh-huh. Not yet. (laughs) I would love to. Well, you know what? I need to think about who I know Um, because (laughs) this seems like something that our local television stations should be covering. I also think that um, I'm I'm just thinking outside here in my head thinking you know it would be wonderful when you're home and when you've got the time because we don't live all that far from one another perhaps you Mm -hmm. would like to come and speak at our rotary meeting i could also see you speaking in front of chamber of commerces where you're really talking about business leaders you know i'm just sort of thinking outside the box on you know where else you could Yes, Pardon all me? these ideas. Of, yeah, all these ideas. Fantastic. I did talk to um, Wilshire Rotary Club here uh, last year or this year. I forgot when last year. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, club has a lot, lot of meaning to me because I went to Australia as an exchange student, Rotary Club exchange student from Japan to Australia for a year as a high school student, and that really uh-huh. changed my life in many ways, especially gender equality that I always wondered growing up in Japan in a very conservative right. house. So, um, yeah, any any chance I have, I'm here. So I appreciate, Marsha, if you can share any ideas. Yes, I, I'm going to really give some, some thought to that. I mean, I could really see you not only being featured on our local news channels here in, in Los Angeles, but, I mean, it seems to me like, you know, why not the Today Show? Why not Good Morning America? Why not some of these shows that have a, a reach to the whole country? You know, I'm, yes. you know, I just, I, you know, it's, it takes a village. I mean, we know we hear that, and you know, it, and we we think about Martin Luther King and the things that he was able to accomplish as we think about his life today. And I'm just, you know, my mind is racing a little bit, thinking, well, what more could I do? And who who do I know? And how can I help? Because, you know, every little bit helps. And, you know, oh. you know, you go to Starbucks and you pay who knows how much for a cup of coffee. You know, what if you just said, you know what, instead of buying that cup of coffee, I'm just going to I'm just going to automatically donate ten dollars every month mm-hmm. to yoga gives mm-hmm. back and you know it's it's i don't want to make it sound like well it's just ten dollars i'm not trying to make it sound like that but if everyone that was listening was willing to do that mm-hmm. the reach and the and the um, ability to help so many is just remarkable helping these women you know do this microfinancing helping these kids get their education just something like the pad project. I mean, who thinks about things like that? You know, I just, I think it's remarkable what you're doing. I think it's it's gracious of for you to 
join me today knowing that you're leaving the country tomorrow and I I wish you safe travels and I hope you take in your heart that namaste feeling that we all have as yogis and I just want to mm-hmm. thank you so much for being a part of this podcast with me today it's it's been a privilege and an honor to have you join me thank you so much Marsha wow all right everybody You've got your marching orders. I know I've got mine. So I'm going to say goodbye for now. Let the Kyoko start to put some clothes in a, in, a, in a piece of luggage that she's going to be taking with her. Luckily, it's not raining, so you won't hopefully have any interruptions in your flight. Well, oh, my goodness. Glad you're flying right now and not a couple of weeks ago. So um, <laughs> thank you once again. And everybody, do what you can. If maybe this isn't something you could do, but maybe you could share with somebody else, that would also be really great. And I look forward to having you join me next week when I will have another inspiring woman tell her story. So bye for now, everybody. Be safe. Be well. Namaste. Namaste.